2: own a business? Why not become a sponsor of the show and get your business heard by potentially thousands of people worldwide? Get in touch with us via our messenger on Facebook or email at Sightings at outlook.com.au. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of Encounters Down Under. Annette from Exmouth Western Australia joins us on the show who has had an incredible encounter with a large craft that was following them whilst heading home from a military base. This later ends up involving US government officials interrogating her and the people she was traveling with at the time. This was also our first time having webcam video coverage, so be sure to check out the interview on our YouTube channel and count down under podcast. We also had a brief technical error at the start of the show there during the live stream saying that we came across each other by accident, not knowing she was Annie from the Ross Coulthard documentary, The Phenomenon. So please welcome to the show, Annette. Yeah,
1: that's correct. Um, on, the, on the show, he referred to me as Annie, um, yep. and that is you know, that I've had most of my life, so...
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Look, it actually blew my mind when I came across you and you said, yeah, you're from the documentary. Look, wow, mind blown right here. This is, um, this is fate for sure. <laughs> so, look, um, we'll crack into it. Um, so now, obviously, everyone will sort of give an idea that you're from Xmouth WA, um, and everyone who's seen the show, obviously, knows a little bit about you and what you've seen. So, But we'll let you go and tell us to it firsthand, so I'll let you take over.
1: Um... <laughs> Oh, back in 1991, uh, when the US base was open here in Exmouth, I'm still currently residing here. Um, so it was a, a night where we, it was a Friday night, um, I'd gone out to spend some time with friends out on the base. And look, we were, I guess, getting into a bit of mischief out there. Um, the base used to have bike racks everywhere with bikes in them and, and anyone was free to take them to ride around the base and that's what we were doing. We were mucking around we we're riding around the base we went to a Cabana party for a while and just having some fun on the base. Um, come time because there were certain times that you know you got signed on the base and there was a certain time you had to sign back off the base. so it come the time for me to sign off the base. so my friend walked me down to the front entrance where you signed out and uh, that was a protective services building with also military police. And so I went in there, signed out, asked them to call me a cab. Um, It was early hours of the morning, I said could they please call me a cab so I could get back to town. And they rang the cabs and they come back and said, look, sorry, but they've shut for the night. So then it was a case of what am I gonna do? Like how am I gonna get from the base, through all the bushland back into town um, so it was tossed and turned as to whether I will walk or whether I would, um, wait for some sort of a ride. Anyway, eventually I knew one of the federal police officers because he shared a house with a really good friend of mine at one stage. And so he come over and he said to me, look, go across the road from the base and walk down a little bit, wait down there. We're about to go on patrol. We'll scoop you up and we'll take you into town. So I left the base walked across into the dark, down down into a big car park and just waited down there for them to come. And then they pulled up in um, a short wheelbase uh, Toyota Land Cruiser um, with just a bench seat, front bench seat. So one of the officers who introduced himself, I say Kevin, but someone else said his name is Keith. But for me, I'm sure he said his name was Kevin. He introduced himself. I already knew the other guy, Alan, Um, simply because he had shared a house with a friend. And so I jumped in the middle and we left from that car park and proceeded to head into town. And so we sort of, I reckon we hadn't gone more than maybe a kilometre from the base when Alan starts, like, leaning forward. He's driving. I'm in the middle and there's Kevin guys on the other side of me. So he's leaning forward and he keeps looking up. And he's looking up and he's looking up and I'm looking at him because he's sort of swerving and and he goes to Kevin, it's back. And Kevin goes, you're kidding. He goes, no, it's back. He goes, grab the camera. So Kevin unbuckles, leans over the back of the short wheelbase, comes back over with a big camera with a big lens on it and he hands it to Alan. So Alan's driving all over the And I'm going, what's back, what's back, what's back? And he sort of, before he sort of grabs the camera, grabs the back of my head and he pushes me forward and said, look up. I mean, I I think about it and and it looked like it was literally hovering just above the car, like 100 foot above the car. But when you think about it, it would have had to be about 500 or odd feet above us. Was this craft, um, distinct shape, uh, had lighting all under it. So I start freaking out. And he's, he's, by this stage, got the camera, trying to steer and trying to shoot photos of it out the window. So he's leaning as a driver, like leaning out, shooting shots as he's driving. He's saying to me, hold the wheel, hold the wheel. So I'm sort of trying to grab the wheel at the same time. And I mean, everything inside of me was just in that moment, I think, just absolutely terror. You know, this thing was following up straight above the car. So that went on for maybe only a few minutes, maybe three or four minutes. this This thing was straight above me shooting photos out the driver's side window when I sort of kept now and again leaning forward, having a look up, leaning back, leaning forward. And then I looked out and it shot way up in the air, like faster than your eyes could move. And then down onto the left-hand side of us and literally was paralleling the vehicle, but just above tree level, if you know what I mean. Like you could see all the trees lighting up as it was coming. And it just stuck with us, just a tiny bit ahead of us. Um, for probably another kilometre or so. So Alan, by this time, is handing the camera over to Kevin saying, take photos. So he's out the window shooting shots, shooting shots of this thing. And I'm completely just freaking out, probably crying. I I don't remember. I know I was completely um, losing it, just thinking what the hell was going to happen to us. Um, And that that again happened only for a few seconds. It didn't last long where it was just following alongside of us before it shot up again at such a speed that there was no way your eyes could follow where it was going. And it shot up into the sky again and shot ahead of us, probably by again, one or two kilometers ahead of us, but you could see it on our right-hand side this time. But this time it was coming down, coming down, coming down. And as it's coming down, um, everything under it was lit up and there was all like dirt and trees and debris flying up underneath it. So it's coming down. We're coming to it. Alan's trying to pull over so he can take photos. I'm screaming like an absolute banshee and screaming at him to go, go, get us out of here. Because I don't even know what I was thinking. I just didn't. And he's like, no, we can go in and get shots of this because it come down and it was literally hovering just above the ground. But it's sort of where it come down sort of was on an incline. So you could see it just hovering above the ground. So he's going, we're going in, we're going in. And I'm going, no way, you take me back to town and I'm screaming at him. And there was this big sort of argument going on in the vehicle. And um, he said, fine, because Kevin's going, no, take her back, take her into town. So he hit the, I mean, we broke every speed level. He took me into the edge of town, swung around and said to me, jump, you know, get out. So I jumped out the car and they took off back towards it. And I took off running, you know, because I lived on the opposite side. Of X mouth as to where they dropped me, and I don't think in my whole life I remember every single step of running home, continuing looking behind me, looking up in the sky, thinking, "Where is this thing?" Got home. Uh, my babysitter was there because I had two daughters. Um, Sent her. I was telling her about it, and said, "Well, you better go home." And she's like, "Oh no, I'm not walking home." So she stayed the night. And um, anyway, I'm telling everyone. Everyone's laughing. Nobody's taking it serious. I just went about my life. So a couple of days later, I worked in a, in a cafe in Exmouth. So a couple of days later, I went to work and um, I'm at work. There was only me and my boss there that day. And next minute, two military, American military police walk in. And one says, are you, we're looking for Annette? And I said, that's me. And uh, they said, oh, ma'am, can you please come with us? And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm working. No, I can't come with you. What's this about? And they're like, ma'am, we're not at liberty to to explain anything. We need you to come with us immediately. So my boss has come out from the back of the kitchen by this stage. And I said, not unless you tell me why, where I'm going and why. They're like, you need to escort. come with us We're to escort you to the base. In my head, I immediately just thought we were in trouble for taking those bikes that night. I don't know why, because the base was so strict that you didn't do anything wrong you got a permanent ban. So I thought, oh I'm in trouble because we'd been riding the bikes like trying to fit 10 of us on a bike down a hill and doing stupid stuff and I just assumed we'd be in trouble. And um, so my boss said to me, they, they weren't going to leave without me. And my boss said to me, just go, you know, you need to go with them. So I... These two I walked out with these two guys out to a military police vehicle and he opened up the door for me. I got in. Automatically a seatbelt came across me and locked, which was something I'd never seen before in my life. And one of the military police got in alongside of me and the other one got in the front. And as we're reversing out, I said, Am I in trouble? No answer. Have I done something wrong? No answer. You know, is this over us riding those bikes? Am I in big trouble? Am I going to get a bad? Nothing. So I'm still not connecting it to the UFO at all. And um, so they're driving out to the base and I continue to ask what's to stop me from jumping out the car and just walking off. Like I started getting mad. And um, they're just like, look, man, we know nothing. We've been asked to pick you up and bring you to the base. As I said, when you come to the base, there's a security post right at the very front of the base. First of all, you go to them. If you have an escort onto the base, another American, they meet you there and then they walk you to the security post to sign in where you must have photographic ID, da-da-da. We pull into that base, go past that post. The central there just, he just, like, uh, saluted them as we went in. Come to where I normally would have to sign in. They just saluted. We just kept driving. And I realized in that moment I thought this is really serious they're not even making me sign into the base um then they indicate to turn there's one section of the base that where they do the telecommunications it's like the top secret part of that base and that is like got double um fencing with razor wire they indicate to go into there and I thought well this is again thinking this is serious and I'm saying why are we going in here like and nothing, no one said anything. So, the gates automatically opened, and we went in. And we there was a building separate from the big building that where the um where they transmit from. And so they took us drove right to the, that building, and the guy that was driving got out, opened my my door. He I stepped out. The other guy had already come out. One of them walked in front of me, one of them walked directly behind me and just said, follow me, please, ma'am. So we walked into the building and there was a big, long hallway with lots of doors that were shut. It was sort of really dark with just the lighting on. We went down to, I think, about the third door and the guy in front, the military police officer in front, he opened up the door and there, right then, in that second, I knew why I was there. Because sitting in the room were the two federal police officers. So he opened these two big double doors and they're like, come in, Um, knew my name, come in Miss Baranacho, take a seat. And in the middle of the room, Alan was on one chair, there was a vacant chair and then Kevin was on the other. Sort of just like we were seated in that vehicle that night. So I walked in. And I'm going, what is this all about? They're like, please take a seat. There would have been, I'd say four, five, maybe even six American men in black suits. There would have been probably just equal as many very high by the decorative um, American military men. Um, The two MPs, they shut the doors and they left and shut the door. I looked around at the back of the room. The only person I knew in that room was the captain of the base, and he was sitting on like a trestle table right up the back of the room. So I take a seat in the middle. Kevin and and Alan have both got their heads down, like literally got their heads down. They looked, I don't know, and I'm going to them, what's going on? And no one answered me. Then one of the guys in the black suit steps forward, and he's like, we believe that you saw something the other night with these gentlemen and said yes he said what did you see i said a ufo so he goes what do you mean by a ufo and he went through a million questions that went on for probably a better part of a couple of hours what exactly i did i see what color what was the lighting on it um uh, did i see it land where did it land how did it move what was alan's reaction what was kevin's reaction what did we take photos, how many photos, just a million questions, just on and on, and repeated. He would finish and another one would step forward, like one of the military guys would step forward or one of the others would step forward and just continually ask over and over and over the same questions. Just, I don't know whether it was to trip me up. No stage did Alan or Kevin say a single thing. They just kept their heads down, which I was later to find out that they had been there for hours before they come and got me from work. Um, So this just went on and on and on and on. And I'm just going to, why am I repeating myself? I started again getting really angry. And so I'm saying, why am I repeating myself? We've told you what we saw. And one of the guys that hadn't sort of questioned us, one of the guys in the black suit, again later found out evidently they were CIA. And one of the guys at the back, he steps forward and he says, I'm putting it to you that you saw a weather balloon. And I started laughing. I said, well, I'm putting it to you that I didn't see no weather balloon. He said, well, I'm telling you, you did. I said, and I'm telling you, I didn't. I grew up on a station, an outback station, where we let weather balloons off for the Bureau of Meteorology once a month. In my life, I couldn't count how many weather balloons I'd let off. So I said, I'm telling you right now, what I saw was not a weather balloon. It was a UFO. And so this went back. Forth. he got really heated um a couple of the other guys stepped in and they sort of didn't know what to do they were it was almost like they didn't know how far to push me or i don't know what they would they would come together talk and then they come back out one of them would come back out and go me again saying you need to be able to say 100 percent." you know you realize you're going to be a laughing stock you realize that all you saw was a weather balloon and I said, "Well, why are you here why are you here for a weather balloon Anyway, Alan starts whispering to me, shut up, just shut up, just agree with him, shut up. I'd been there probably by this stage uh, three to four hours, and Alan's saying to me, you're going to get us all killed. You really are, shut up. And he's just whispering it under his breath like he's got his head down, saying to me, shut up, just shut up. You're going to get us all killed. But I still stuck to my guns. I said, I don't care. I'm not saying I saw a weather balloon when I saw a UFO. I know what I saw, so they went back forth, and in the end, I, I felt like they just didn't know what to do with me. Now, I still think to this day, even how they knew I was in that vehicle, because those guys aren't allowed to take a civilian on patrol with them. That's why they made me walk down the road and wait in the dark. So, who gave me up? Who told them who I was? Or did they know? I, I don't. I don't know, but. This went back, forth, back, forth. And, you know, the guy's telling me I'm going to look like an idiot. And don't you realise it was a weather balloon that you saw? And and it was just moving in the wind. And I'm just going, nope, nah, nope, nope, nah. no, It's a UFO. So I think they just gave up. At the end of the day, they just gave up. And they just said to me, you can leave. So they called the, the two military police up. And I got up, you know, and I sort of had a bit of a go at Alan. Kevin said, you need to admit what we saw. And they didn't say nothing and I went to walk towards the door and that first guy that was questioning me um, he said Miss Farinaccio you saw a weather balloon and I said yeah let me tell you right now I saw a UFO not a weather balloon bye and just walked out the door so the military police brought me back to town took me home um, and I was furious my and my mum then told me because my mum had come around to my house when they she said to me she sent them to my work they'd been looking for me around town and so they knocked on the door on my parents and my mum said oh she's at work and so she was the one who actually sent them to my workplace so I was really mad I rang my cousin who was into UFOs where I wasn't into that sort of stuff I hadn't ever it had not it had factored into my life when I was a kid because we had had UFO sightings out on the station but not to a point where it was anything I ever bothered with. So I rang my cousin who was into researching him and that and told him what had happened. And he lived probably 2,000 kilometres further north from me. He said, I'm going to come down. So about a week later, he drove down and he said, can you take me to Alan's? I said, yeah, absolutely. So we drove around to Alan's and he said, I want to ask him what he took photos of. And um, anyway, we pulled up at Alan's house and he came out the front onto his front veranda immediately. And he was looking around almost like he was thought that somebody was watching us. You know what I mean? Like he's walking up and down his veranda looking like, and he's like, what are you doing here? I said, we need to talk about what happened. He said, no, we don't. And I said, my cousin's here. He wants to ask you some questions. And he looked at my cousin. He said, she is going to make us all disappear, she is going to get us all killed. And my cousin's like, look, we're just trying to, you know, find out what went wrong. He said, quickly, get inside now. Anyway, we went inside and he made a, a, a us a coffee and we sat down with him and he said, um, he said, I'll tell you this once. And he said, I will never, ever speak about this again. And so he sat and told us that. They went back and they snuck up on this thing and they got photos of it hovering just above, he reckoned about 10 foot above the ground. And he said it was just dead still, no noise, no nothing coming from it, just hovering just above the ground. They took a whack of photos of it and then they backed out of there because they got a bit frightened. So they both got back in the car. Anyway, they realised that they weren't going to be able to get them developed in town anywhere, but the base had a 24-hour processing thing. So they went there and they got two copies of all the photos that they'd shot made. And, of course, once they got those photos back, they're showing people. It didn't obviously take long for the base to find out that these two guys were showing photos of a UFO. And so next thing you know, uh, a raid was done on Alan's house and on Kevin's where they removed the camera, all the photos, all the negatives, and spoke to anybody that had anything to do with looking at those pictures. And that's how we come about to them two to being taken in for questioning. Um, like I said, I, to this day, I don't know how my name come out of it. Um, I don't know how I ended up. I don't know. One of them two had to have given me up because nobody else knew that night that I was in that car. So what would make one of them that look hey hang on a minute we had this girl that we've given a ride into town with us like why would they have done that because that's the only way they would have come and i felt like when i walked in there i felt like they weren't prepared for me you know they weren't at all prepared for what they were going to do with me because at least with the military police they can threaten their jobs and all of that and plus Both those guys evidently had military backgrounds as before they become, sorry, um, federal police, um, Australian Protective Service officers. I know Alan was in the Navy, and I believe the other guy had been in the Air Force. Um, So I don't know what they did to them, but either of them ever wanted to speak about it again. They were genuine to their word. I never saw Kevin again. I saw him a couple of times, and he vanished. And not long after me and my cousin had been to Alan's, he vanished too. I happened to track Alan down, but he doesn't want to talk about it. He actually denied being the person when I found out he definitely, then I looked and the friend that he shared the house with was friends with him. So I knew it was him, but he denied being there. He denied knowing anything. Oh, I'm not the person. Sorry, you must have the wrong person, but he wasn't the wrong person. But he has not wanted to speak about it ever since. And nobody can find Kevin. No, um, There's a record of him there, but they can't track him down. So I don't know. I never really told – I told all my family and friends, and I've never been quiet about it, nor will I. They will not shut me up about what I saw that night. I know what I saw. I don't doubt. I don't care who does doubt me. I know what I saw that night and I know what, how their response was out of the blue. I got contacted by, um, I'm not sure if you know Keith Basterfield. So someone had obviously contacted Keith about my story. He contacted me and said, Hey, any chance mean you could talk about this? I was reluctant at first. I was like, look, you know what? I'm not, all, all it is, is I tell my story. I'm not, going to deny what happened but i'm not interested in getting caught up in anything but anyway he he tried to investigate he said look let me have a go at alan he did he ended up talking into talking to him but he was just like look i don't remember nothing from those days that's all he said to him you now he, he is pretty i mean i would say he'd be well in his 70s now because i was only young then and i'm well in my 50s now um I don't know what happened there. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know. But it wasn't. And then all of a sudden, Keith contacted me and said, Russell wanted to talk to me. And I still said, nah, no, nope, nah, nah. I said, I'm not interested in getting caught up in this sort of stuff. All I've done is tell people what happened to us that night. You know, I'm not interested in pursuing this or becoming famous off of it or discussing it with, you know, higher powers and that. But they end up talking me around and, and saying, look, you know, it's really important that you're not the only person this has happened to. So realising that I wasn't the only person that has had this sort of um, uh, encounter, that this has been around the world, that other people have had very similar, it sort of made me go, wow, okay, so this is something obviously the American military are fully aware of. It wasn't until I I... I did the interview with Ross Coulthard that he um, at the very end of the, of the shooting, he pulls out a picture and says, see this, this is a prototype of something the Americans were building many years ago. I was shocked. I, it made me shy. I was just like, well, here all these years, I've been thinking we just saw a UFO. We saw an unidentified flying object, something very um, advanced, something that can move faster than the speed of light, something that can move that fast that there's no way you could keep up with it. You know, it was almost like your eyes were way behind it, you know, trying to follow it. Um, something that was, uh, I would have thought, far outreaching us. Then he shows me this prototype that is almost identical in the picture to what we saw. And I was just shocked. So now it's sort of left me... I don't know if what I saw did belong to the Americans, but then why would they buzz a federal police car? It doesn't make any sense. Or whether it was something from another, you know, another planet somewhere. I, I'm I'm not sure. To this day, I'm unsure about what. Well, I was I was sure until Ross Coulthart showed me this prototype, this drawing of a prototype of of um, of flying vehicle that the U.S. Had, um, I guess, invented many years ago. Uh, I think he said it took it back to the 70s or 80s, but it was almost identical to what we saw, except ours, what we saw was like a diamond, an elongated diamond with the end, right, the tail of it chopped off. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we saw. I just know that it was something far more advanced than I would think any human being has capabilities of creating.
2: Yeah, it certainly leaves a lot of questions, doesn't it? But I think the biggest question here people want to know is um, what those pictures came out like. Because, like, you know, today's technology, we're trying to take photos with phones and that, and this is like a basic camera. It probably would have been like a decent camera what he had, but, you know, even between today's technology to that sort of technology of the cameras, did he manage to go and get himself a... A really good picture of this image, oh, this object, or is it just well, the same sort of effect that we always get—the
1: blurry pictures? Yeah. <laughs> Not evidently when when it was hovering off the ground, they got really really clear shots of this thing hovering off the ground. When it was when it was when it come down, I think about it often. I think about it had to have some sort of reverse thrusters. By the way as it was coming down and what I remember when I'm looking at it is there was that much dust and the whole trees like being ripped out of the ground as it's coming down, coming down to, to, but then he said it never, it didn't have legs. It didn't have wheels. It just hovered straight above the ground. He said there was no noise. There was no longer any debris or that flying up, but he reckons they got really clear shots of it. But those guys in the black suits, they removed everything. They didn't just take the photos. They took the the negative. They shut down the photographic place on the base for a long time. And they removed his camera. They took that camera as well.
2: That's a shame.
1: So why would they need to do that? Like, what were they trying to shut up? Like, I I don't understand. Even that. It still leaves me baffled as to, okay, if they created this thing, if it was Americans that created it, why was it stupid enough to buzz a patrol car two nights in a row and to come down alongside of it as if they weren't going to see that? The night before, them two guys on patrol, now they did a patrol that was probably about 200 kilometres round trip. They went to like area A, B and C, which are the american uh, communication towers and they had to patrol around each lot of the towers to make sure there was nobody going near them now one of those towers is about uh 50 maybe 60 kilometers out of town so by the time they come through from the other side of town right through the town back out another 50 60 k's out you're talking about about a 200 kilometer odd trip by the time they do all their patrol. It had followed them the entire way the night before. Wow. But it didn't land. It just followed them. And that's what made Alan take his good camera with him that night that they offered me the ride home. Because it had followed him in. They were terrified the night before. Alan, not so much. It was more of, he was more intrigued. But Kevin definitely was absolutely petrified. And... Um, he was protesting even when Alan said, we're going back, we're going back. And he's like, no, 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 let's not do this, you know. But evidently yeah. he got really good photos. I never saw them. So I can't say. But they were certainly enough to bring out a big heap of Americans from the US. Yeah, bugger. And some were bought out on a Mac flight, um, a US Mac flight, as soon as they knew. Yeah. But was it that they thought it was so stealth that nobody would notice Or was it that it was something that they didn't detect? Um, I don't understand. I'm more than likely we'll never get answers as to what that thing was, whether it was American-made or whether it was from another planet.
2: Yeah, it's sort of interesting too. Like being around a military base, um, was there nothing else to say? Like the 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 base was aware of its like um, this thing was hovering around at all. Because like uh, your friends in the car, they were saying like they were noticing this thing following them around the whole base as they're doing their security checks. But was there was nothing
0: and
1: where they were patrolling? There's only one lot of the towers, Area C, I think it is, or might be A, that has staff on it. All the others, it sort of goes in a really strange giant triangle. The others are unmanned, so they're sort of like you're transmitting from here. And it bounces sound waves to here, here, and then out to whatever. So they're not; they're, they've got no people actually at them. They're just out there. But so their patrol is to make sure nobody's getting close to those towers. Yeah. But there's no actual people there, so there would have been nobody to see them being followed, because hey, they do patrols every couple of like, I think every two or three hours, and then the patrol takes a couple of hours. They come back, and yeah. there's always four. Uh, federal officers on. So two do the patrol, they come back, then the other two go and do the patrol and come back and that's how it goes. And um, I guess that it followed them and then then he said it just disappeared. It shot up in the sky and disappeared. They didn't think anything more but Alan insisted on bringing his camera with him and that was when they offered me that ride into town and it came back. And it came back in about the same spot it started following them the night before. Oh, and so that so, could be a point it,
2: of interest for it.
1: Well, possibly. Uh, then I think about all of that and I start saying, well, was it the Americans? You know, was it the American military? But then if they've got technology, we're going back to 1991. If they've got technology that advanced, what are we doing flying around in basic planes?
2: Yeah, we're we'll still driving around in cars. <laughs> oh, wait.
1: This thing moved like nothing i've ever seen and with precise precision if you know what i mean it it when it was come down to hover it's like and just following alongside of us just not not anything out of place and then it must have just then just went and just shot straight up in the sky faster than you could even see which way or how it moved it was there and then gone then you're like where is it where is it it's over there no it's coming over here on the on the right side of us and that's exactly how it was inside that car that night.
2: It would be an amazing you sight, know? but like you were um, saying, how you reacted there, absolutely terrifying because like, you just don't know what it is. Like, um, Did you, you think at like, some point there like, it could have been like a helicopter coming across or anything like that? Like, like, like you know, a bit sorry? Of, like, Did you think like at some point that you might have thought of, like a helicopter with a spotlight shining over you or sunlight? Oh,
1: or? First, when um, Alan first said to me, look up and grab the back of my head and sort of push me forward in the car, first thing I did think was, oh, is that a helicopter or a plane? I'm going to him, what is it? What is it? And he goes, well, what do you think it is? And I'm going, no, but what, like, you know, your head sort of can't register what it's seeing.
0: Yeah.
1: And then in, in that moment, then um, I realised that this was something, I guess really for me, the most pivotal point of realising this was when it shot up in the sky at such a speed and then moved to our left. How it moved made me in that moment, the terror that washed over me. And it must have been the same for Kevin too, because he leant back into me and both of us were like huddled together. Like when it come down on the left side, he sort of backed off from the window and like, holy crap. Like it moved. And both of us, I think, realised that this was beyond us. Yeah. You know, and, um, but Alan, the whole time, he stayed stoically calm, almost excited. And he was like, you know, saying to Kevin, take the camera and shoot photos now. Kevin, take the camera. Kevin's of leaning back into me. Like both of us are staring at this thing and it's just straight above the trees. Like just coming along, right. Just a little bit ahead of us. Um, but just following along with us. And then all of a sudden it just shoo, gone again and then come back down on the, on the right side, but further ahead of us.
2: Yeah. That'd be an absolutely amazing, um, because, like, yeah, like, um, you're lucky, one of, one of the lucky people there go and actually see one of these things, let alone around a military base, but it sort of does make you wonder, like, what are their um, objectives to be following these cars? Um, you know, people get random, uh, randomly followed by these objects and, you know, mm-hmm. they shut their cars down or do whatever and, like, you know, they've got a, a production maybe or, you know, just see something zip off. And you know, it's Like, is it a curiosity thing? But... Being around a uh, military base is uh, obviously got to be something happening there as well.
1: That close to the base, how did they? If this was, if this was something from somewhere else, how did they not detect? It?
2: Well, that's what I was saying before. Like, if it's something that um, they've been following before, like the night before, how has the radar not detected this and it hasn't been put onto alert?
1: That's what, I've, you know what. Those questions over these years have gone through my head a million times. If it wasn't theirs how did they not detect it? Because we were so close to that base. We were literally maybe one, one and a half kilometres into the road. It's a whole way out to the base is old bush. Yeah. Um, but we were literally one, one and a half kilometres when this thing appeared. So how did they not detect it? Yeah. If this is not from the Americans, how did they not detect it? But if it is from the Americans, why the hell would they do something so stupid?
0: Yeah. If they
1: want there's this some sort of a secret, right? Say they did have technology that is beyond anything we realize they've got. Why would they be so stupid to buzz that vehicle two nights in a row?
2: Yeah, like what? Um, unless it was chance that it was the same people.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
2: Uh, unless it was chance that it was the same people in the car, and that's just um, just happened to be them.
1: But even then, okay, that like I said, one of them had to have given me up.
2: Yep. So yeah,
1: they got those photos printed, they took them in. And and Alan, that day, me and my cousin went around to his house. He said they'd been there like six, seven hours before they come and got me. The only thing I regret is that that day I didn't ask him who gave me up and why. What made you say, what made one of you two say, hey, hang on a minute, we had a civilian in the car that night. That would have been their jobs. That was one of the biggest no-no's you could do to the military is have a civilian in one of their work vehicles. And so what made somebody hand over my name, even if they were getting interrogated for six, seven hours, like you think you'd still just stick to your story of what you saw, but I don't know, what what would make, and that's the question I wanted to ask Alan when I tried to contact him, but he wouldn't even answer my messages, you know, like why? what would make one of you say, well, hang on a minute, we had illegally picked up the civilian girl and taken her with us, and she saw it as well. Like, uh, that's always and my and and for them to know my full name too. I suppose oh, I used to sign in a base. It'd probably take yeah. a few seconds to look up, you know. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It, 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 there's parts of it that have baffled me and probably be baffling me for the rest of my life. You know, am I scared to drive out these roads? Absolutely. Absolutely, I hate driving at night around here. No, but as I as I didn't, I didn't shut up. More people come forward with stories, you know, around here. Like hundreds of people. It's one of the only the parts of this whole base, the whole Cape, the American zone, and it's a no-fly zone, so nobody can fly over it. You know, it's illegal to fly over this. That's what made me go. Well, hang on a minute. How come they didn't pick up that plane flying? If that was what it was, yeah. If it was one, why would they not have picked that UFO up on their own radars?
2: Yeah, being that close too, I'm not sure what the ranges are on radars, but I know they have like a sort of uh, like a bit of a blind spot being close to the ground, and also like a certain distance away before they actually sort of take effect. um, so unless they went down into that little blind spot there and then using their speed to sort of get away from that sort of uh, pickup zone, I'm not really sure. That's that's my guess. That's a wild guess that I can think of. So it's using the blind spots. But even it's still, like, me, um, people around the military base, I would have thought people would be looking around the fences lines and seeing this craft flying around, you know. Um,
1: you can't get close to that base. Yeah, that's what you I can't, mean. Like, you can't... As a person, I I had a cousin come out from Canada, and at the back of that base, there was an old homestead, and like way at the back of it, in the middle of nowhere, in the back of the base. And I said to my cousin, "Oh, there's an old homestead. I'll take you, you know, you're from out from Canada. There's always lots of kangaroos around a natural spring that's there. So I was trying to take him out to see, and you know, there's signs everywhere saying." you know, um, the land of the US, you know, that belongs to them, don't come on here, trespassable, will da 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 So we snuck around the back of it and come through with a four-wheel drive just to just take into that water. We arrived at that waterhole. Now, this is, I'm talking about probably 10 kilometres from the base. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the bush on dirt tracks. We just got there, just got out the car. Next minute, there was military police and federal police everywhere. Yeah. Like, they knew we were there.
2: Well, there so, you go.
1: and so many people who have tried to sneak up or sneak in, seconds later they're on them. They know that they're there. Yeah. And so, how can that be? But they not know this thing was there.
2: Yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Well, it does.
1: It's either that this thing was a UFO and has technology that cannot be detected, or the Americans have created this thing and thought it had technology that couldn't detect it and was proven wrong. Uh, I don't know. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of theories, all, isn't there?
1: Yeah, seriously, all I know is I saw an unidentified flying object that night.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: but I'm identified with anyway.
2: Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing to think. So close to that base there and no one's raising alarm, nothing. And like you are saying, people <laughs> are getting caught <laughs> metres outside the base or 10 kilometres away from the base
1: read Ross Coulthard's book which I haven't I've got it but I haven't
2: read
1: it yep. um, it's evidently and he was telling me that people approached him there was Americans that approached him that he went and interviewed that were from this base that had things buzzed them on the base very similar to what happened with um with us so it, my story is not a one and only the only thing that my story was different is because they brought those people out to question us, you know, and to insist that we saw a weather balloon, which was just dumb. Oh and I don't know. I don't I don't know what I saw. And I will probably be left confused for the rest of my life, but all I know is what I saw had technology far outreaching anything I thought any human on this planet was capable of.
2: Yeah. It's sad too, though. They always keep trying to throw the old weather balloon theory or explanation to everyone there. It's like we sort of have an idea of what a weather balloon looks like. And like you said, you already know what weather balloons look like. But it's like he was trying to drop the massive hint they're going, it was a weather balloon. (laughs) Just run with that story. (laughs) Just just accept it. (laughs) And
1: that's exactly what he was saying. And I was going, nope. Know what a weather balloon looks like? That is no weather balloon. And he just kept on and I kept going and, I kept, and that's when Alan's whispered he's got his head down going shut up you're going to get us all killed
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh I, look I can understand
1: Yeah
0: It's, it's one um, of those things um,
2: uh, not a lot of people get involved with when it comes to with the military there and trying to explain uh, away a craft so you're certainly one of those unique people and it's definitely appreciated that you actually come forward with this sort of thing and you've actually opened up in the public to this sort of thing but,
1: Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST
0: and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Used from when
1: I walked out that door and the last thing that that guy said to me, and he said, oh, Ms. Farinaccio, I strongly advise that, you know, Telling you that you saw a weather balloon. And I said, No, I didn't. I saw a UFO. From that moment, it was just something in me going, You don't get to tell me what I saw that night. You know, you don't get to tell me I went through that much terror and now I have to go around and tell people because that's what you want me to say. That's just not going to happen. That's yeah. not what I saw.
2: Yeah. Well, I've got a question here, like, um, regards to that. Like, have you felt like a little bit insecure or like, you know, coming public? I'll um, read the. Um, the question yeah, properly uh, do you feel concerned for your safety in going public on this
1: one of the reasons I stayed anonymous if you watch the Ross Coulthard documentary I had a massive panic I got a message from a, a a friend of mine that's been in the US military for 30 odd years and you know I was when Ross Coulthard contacted me I hummed him hard but I went look you know I'm not doing this I don't want to be famous for what I saw, um, for what happened that night. Um, I just want people to know that, you know, it, it did happen. Anyway, I said to Ross, so he contacted me and he said, do you realise what you're doing? He said, do you even have a remote realisation that in coming forward, you're selling out America possibly to Russia? If this is something that they've got, you're selling out America to Russia. Do you realise the consequences of that? And I didn't, I have never thought about it like that. And, um, and he said, if not, you know, you're letting people know that that technology is around where you're living, which then makes where you live extremely dangerous. And so I panicked and I rang, rang Ross and I said, I'm out. I, I don't want to do this. I'm completely out. And he was like, no, 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 don't, you know, don't back out of it. And I said, no, I, I, I want nothing to do with it. No. And he said also, you know, I've held very high government positions for a long time. Um, I worked in counterterrorism. terrorism um, I have worked running programs, offender programs for corrective services. I've worked high up in Centrelink. Um, so I held really good government. He said, you realise you're going to shoot yourself in the foot as well. This stuff gets out, you're going to look like a kook. You've sold out the Americans for what? And so I did. I had a complete meltdown. I had a... And I rang Ross and I said, look, count me out. And he's like, you know, you're main part of our story. I said, I don't care. I'm out. And um, I hung up and he kept ringing me, he rang me a few days later and he said to me, look, you know, it is your story. We'll try to keep you, you know, as hidden as we possibly can if that makes you feel better. It was really reluctant and hard for me to do. And he actually didn't expect me to show up at the airport the day that I did show up to go and shoot this story. Um, And I did hum and ha, but it did happen. And that's what makes me angry and what makes me step up and say, it did happen. I'm not, I said to him, look, put me through a lie detector test. Do whatever you want to do. This happened. And I can't deny, or I feel like they're winning. I feel like them guys that day in the room saying it's a weather balloon. This is how they shut people up. And I don't want to be shut up about this because it did happen so am i concerned look even today thinking about i'm, I'm going oh god i'm gonna end up dead <laughs> you know but if i do at least all yous know <laughs> yeah. that it wasn't a, wasn't a weather balloon
0: <laughs>
2: yeah absolutely look i can i i can't like i can't really relate but i can sort of get an understanding of like how it would be at the time but uh like you know it's it's a big thing coming forward, and a lot of people are still scared to this day coming forward with their experiences because like, they think that like the stigma is still around. Um, they just, you know, you're a druggo, you're a kook, you're a nutto, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, you don't have Any- to be a nutter just to see these
0: things.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody who knows me, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I've worked high level government. Google my name, you'll see that. Um, I've held, like I said, I was a counterterrorism officer, the first female counterterrorism officer in Australia. Um, I've held high positions. I've sat my Bachelor of Social Science with Criminology and Forensic Science. I have, so I'm not an idiot. I'm not a kook. I don't run around saying I see fairies. I saw something one night, you know, and I'm not going to be quiet about that. You know, it, it is what it is. And if I think the biggest problem is the attacks that you suffer from people online, is what makes people back away from coming yeah. forward. You know, people who want to dismiss it, people who don't believe in this, people who maybe are fearful. And look, I would say that I'm fearful of it myself, but I still can't deny what I saw that night. No, I would hate to see one ever again, ever again. You know, it was a terror that I can't explain to anyone. You know, when it when it started landing up ahead of us, I was going crazy screaming at Alan to turn around in the car and go back the other way. Like we shouldn't be driving towards this thing, it's coming down. Um I don't think we lost any time or anything. I I, I don't think any of that happened, but I don't know. I, I can't deny. But the people, the attacks from the trolls is what is preventing people like me from coming forward. Um, doing the work I've done makes me have a lot thicker skin than that and it takes a lot I don't know, none of, none of that sort of stuff, even remotely factors. I don't care who believes me or who doesn't. Um, all I know is it happened.
2: Yeah, it's, it is scary for people to come forward and I cause like if you, I think you like on these UFO pages that I run, We try, we try to keep people away and try and have some sort of respect about the page there. Like, I can't not deny people an opinion. That's not something I want to stop, Um, because people need to have their opinions. But it needs to be explained and be (laughs) respectful to what they're trying to have the opinion for. Um, I'm all for trying to, like, uh, not to, to dismiss what's been cited or captured or whatever, but... To try and come up with an explanation first, and like, that's, that's my thing. Um, you know, rule out all possible explanations first, and then if you can't come up with a, a solid explanation, then what you might have it could be a legit object. I find
1: what's hard is, I mean, luckily Alan was, I guess, stronger and smarter and whatever than, than me and Kevin, because the last thing I could have even thought about was pulling out a camera. And this is one of the things I try to make people understand that when you're in shock and you are in every part of your body shock. when you see something, I guess that you don't really, I don't know necessarily if it's that you don't believe in it or that you have never seen before or that is that so unknown, you know, you're in shock in that moment, you know, the, the shock comes over. you. The last thing I would have been thinking about was a camera, but Alan was so excited by it that luckily he thought about that.
2: Yeah, they're prepared. Oh, I don't know
1: they're prepared. he was prepared because of the yeah. night before. Yeah. But um, I certainly would never have even if it would happen to me today, I don't think I would be ready to um, pull out a phone and take photos. I'd be thinking of which way I can go to get the hell out of there <laughs> as fast yeah. as I could. It wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be like, oh hang on a minute, smile, I'm just gonna get my camera out. And I think a lot of people attack people not realising the shock that people are in in those moments, that when you see something like that, you know, yeah. it's blowing your mind and you're terrified and you're thinking of what the hell am I seeing? Oh, look, I've seen, the, like you, you know, I've, I've belonged to a few of the UFO sites. I guess in a way hoping, and I've, I've dumped so many of them each time. Yours is probably one I haven't. Um I've seen people publishing things and you just go, Well, come on, that's the plane. It's
2: very obviously a plane. Yeah, I know. But it's <laughs> it's one of those things.
1: Even I'm highly skeptical. I'm skeptical about what I saw that night. Was it something the US Americans had that we're not a technology we're not aware of? Or was this from another planet? Like, I don't know. I do know that for me personally, it was unidentifiable. It was nothing I've ever seen before. And it moved with technology far beyond anything I've ever seen. So, I guess for me, I, I I've always stay a skeptic, but I hate I hate seeing people stripped of everything when they've come forward. You know, when people are persistently like, "Ah, oh, you are drongo, you're dumb, you know." What would you know? It's just like it's not necessary. Let these people have their say. Deal with it in a diplomatic way as to say to them, look, buddy, you know, um, is there any possibility what you're seeing is just a plane, you know, or That's a right. drone, or, you know.
2: Yeah, so like, I I can't, I'll never um, deny someone's experience. Like if it's, a, um, like they just wrote written it out, I'll never deny that it's their encounter. Um, if it's an image, I can sort of get a better idea, a bit of, um, you know, it's something you can look at, so you can sort of get an idea of what they could be looking at. Like, you know, people mistaken Venus all the time, and they got to take a photo, yeah. and it's like, well, okay, what time was this? You know, what direction of the sky was this? And
1: Because <laughs> X-Mouth, the sky is amazing with stars. It's beyond anything that you probably, you know, I'm a guess in the outback outback, you see that. Yeah. You know, you step outside. And I remember as a kid growing up on the station out of here, and we'd drag all our beds outside <laughs> on hot nights, you know, the old camp stretches and We'd all lie out there spotting satellites because the sky is so clear. With so much out there, that um, it is hard easy. But I, even Venus has, has fooled me. I've gone out and gone, oh, what's that? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's really bright and so I'm going, Venus. Like, ah, oh, damn, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, even for me, I've done that with Venus a couple of times. You know, step back and thought, oh, there's something strange because it's so bright. Yeah. But yeah, you do see things sometimes. That you go oh for that split second and then you realize, but what I saw was way too close for me to be able to say oh no it was just a star. I'm yeah. talking about this thing hovering, you know, fifty feet off of us.
2: Yeah, it, absolutely.
1: You couldn't, it, you couldn't not identify this as unidentifiable, you know, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, 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 no, I get you. So like, how big would this thing have been compared to like your perspective of this object?
1: Um, I've said, I would say. Three to four car lengths of the vehicle that we were in.
0: Yeah.
1: So three to four of those long. It was long, had a very elongated, triangular um, nose, and then sort of come down again into a diamond, but the end of it chopped off. I reckon three to four foot, uh, three to four car lengths long, and maybe two to three car lengths wide. It had a distinct metal, funny looking shape on the top of it. When it come down alongside of us on the left, that was the only time I really noticed this funny, almost like, but it was a sealed unit. I couldn't see any windows or anything like that. It was a completely sealed unit um, and completely metallic, like a, a dark gunmetal grey, yeah.
0: um,
1: very metallic. Um, it had strange, really perfectly symmetrical lights on the bottom in a formation on the bottom of it. So when it was above us, you know, you couldn't again deny because of the lighting on the bay on the bottom of it. And the glow from the lights was really strange. It was something I've never seen before either. I would guess I guess the closest thing nowadays, back in nineteen ninety one, I don't think it existed would be LEDs. You know, like yeah, yeah. the um the fog LEDs.
2: Yeah, so they're really but, bright but they're not giving it a direct light.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know if LEDs were around then in
2: 1991. I, it, yeah. I don't. No, they were all in the neon's era back then. So.
1: <laughs> 30, 30 years ago, but it was more, yeah, sort of like yeah, that that distinct, like you just described it. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, I can't say I saw at any stage anything, any being, any entrance to this thing, any door or hatch or um it just had a funny like almost um octagon shape thing on the top of it and that i only noticed that as it was paralleling us as it, on the left hand side then it shot back up i can't can't even recall it when it was coming down but it was distinctly when i looked over to the left hand side it definitely had a top
2: of it yeah you know, so it you think that it could have been like a de- cockpit or something uh, sorry do you think that could have been like a cockpit or something
1: Possibly, yes. But I can't say I saw windows or anything. I couldn't say I saw a single opening on that thing. No, but again, in your panic and hysteria, I mean, I feel like you drink in every detail, but then, you know, I've often wondered if, if I could be hypnotised, go back and whether I would see more, you know, because shock has a way of, of dulling down. Memories. Yeah, of, of the things that you did see. I I think about it quite often. Every time I drive past that section, I think about it every single time, and just looking over at the trees and thought, oh, just above those trees over there, like it's something that never leaves you. you No, but I just don't know what I saw. I, I can honestly, it was unidentifiable to me. Other people might be able to identify exactly what it was, but I certainly can't.
2: Yeah, either way I think people will still be having a good guess <laughs> regardless of <laughs> trying so, to explain it. Like the way I'm sort of picking it is like sort of like an arrowhead. Is that would that sort of give it a yeah. bit of a description? Yeah.
1: yeah, that would be a, a perfect description of that. Yeah, very much like an arrowhead, like that diamond shape. Yeah. Then coming in at the bottom like it was going to be a full diamond, but someone chopped the bottom part of the diamond yeah. off. So, yeah. um Yeah, like I said, it could have been bigger than I thought it was, but looking up at it above the vehicle, it was well and truly, well and truly a lot bigger than we were. Um, Just think, how can these things manoeuvre like they do? You know, this thing manoeuvred with precision, like unbelievable precision. Yeah. You know, whoever
2: whoever
1: was operating that or whether it was being, surely even that wouldn't be remotely operated. I don't know. These are the questions that go through my head continuously and that I drive people nuts with sometimes. (laughs) How could Who's to say it wasn't remotely moving? You know, like, surely something that was inside of it would have a serious head rush moving in that fast.
2: Oh, yeah. The people inside will just go to mush, basically.
1: (laughs) You couldn't... You could not... I guess that's what blew me away, like I said. Before, I'm thinking it's an aircraft something above us that I'm trying to explain it as a helicopter I even said helicopter all that to Alan and Kevin were sitting there it was only when it moved that I realized that what we were seeing was nothing that any of us have ever seen before
2: yeah
1: that moved in a way that was beyond human capabilities that I'm aware of anyway
2: yeah absolutely incredible I have a question here for you Um, have you seen any similar images online in groups or from what you observed that night, like any similar pictures of it? Only
1: the only time was when Alan Raw, I mean, um, Roscoe Tard, sorry, um, after we'd done our interview and we were sitting up five, finishing up four days of shooting um, the documentary, and he says, i got something I want to show you. And he brings it up on his laptop and he spins it around. And there was the nearly the only difference between what he showed me as a prototype of something supposedly the Americans had invented. The only difference was that it didn't have that chopped off tail bit. The the final point wasn't severed off. Otherwise, it was identical to what we saw. Now, he said he doesn't know whether it was a prototype the Americans were actually building or whether this was just somebody's vision that they'd seen something like that. Then he brings up a story from England of two um, bobbies, two English police uh patrolling in the um you know like the moors or something like that that seemed almost identical to what I saw then he tells me there's people in America that have as well but I'd never ever before ross Tard showed me these stories I'd never seen anyone who had one that looked like what we saw or have I mean there's been people even people have contacted me who've been buzzed by things you know or followed or whatever um, but nobody with the shape of what we saw, you know, and nobody, I guess, with the length of time that we were around this thing and the closeness that we were within proximity of it. Um, no, I can't, I honestly can't say, apart from what Ross Coulthard showed me, oh, he actually, um, now I'm just thinking about this, The one of the guys, he actually contacted one of the guys, the, the police officers in England, and, um, he contacted me and no, it wasn't him who contacted me. It was a radio station in England that had got a hold of it from the town where these police officers had seen it. But, um, I was just backed up cause I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want it to turn into a farce. I don't want it to turn into something that becomes unbelievable, you know, but at the same time is, is I would love to know another people that have, seen what we saw. Because then you know that you're not, you know, you didn't imagine it that night. Not yeah. that I do think I did, but I know what happened to us. Yeah. And I certainly not, I didn't know who the guys were in black suits that questioned us that night, that day. But Ross Coutard found out and said he believes, he believes what he's been told by higher military people that are out of the military now, that they were CIA agents, distinctly um, there, their operative is to chase down people who have seen UFOs and, and get as much information on it as they can yeah. and shut it up.
2: So what was and the time guys, frame between um, the sighting and to when these guys come and pick you up?
1: Do you know, for the longest time, I was like, oh, they come the next day, but they didn't. I know I worked the next day, but they didn't. It would have been probably five, six days after. Yeah. Before they showed up, now I know that Alan got those photos printed the next day. You know, the next, the next that morning. Yeah. You know, he after he finished his his um, you know, his patrol or whatever he was on that night. His uh, what's the word when you got to do a whole, um, his night shift? He evidently went straight to the printing shop at the base and printed them out. Printed two sets of them out straight away.
2: Yeah.
1: Photos. Uh, he, he obviously would have been filmed back in those days yeah um and he printed two lots of them out and was showing a few people before I don't know I think it was two days after that his house was raided yeah right. and they uh, come and got the photos and they raided Kevin's as well
2: so did they did they um print out two copies like for one each other each or something like that or as like a bit of a so,
1: no he said he printed out two copies you know showing them around on the base that he'd showed a few people on the base And he never said whether he printed a set out for for kevin or possibly i don't know i know both their houses were raided but i don't know what that day that me and my cousin went back to ask all these questions he was so um jaded um he told him you know the basics like yeah we got to get right up on it um you know, we, we shot a whole heap of pictures and got the hell out of there. Um, he said it never, he didn't, they never saw it opening anything. You know, like I imagine, you know, like the old movies or cartoons, you know, where they come down, they open up a hatch and little green men walk out. But he said nothing was open on it when they snuck back. When they dropped me off and spun around and went back out there, they pulled up and they got out the vehicle and they made their way through the bush to where it was hovering and and shot a whole heap of photos. But he said that, like my cousin asked him straight away, was there any opening? Was there anything you saw? He said, nothing. He said, it was just hovering. He's like, was there any sound? Nope, not a single sound coming from it. He said it was just hovering above the ground about 10 feet.
2: Yeah. Incredible. Sorry? Absolutely incredible. And I'm surprised they actually went back.
1: I'm surprised they went back. Well, Alan was helping. He pulled up when I was going absolutely batshit crazy. I um, was going off my face. No way, no way. that's stop. No, crying, screaming. You know, um, you promised to take me back to town. It was Kevin who said to him, Alan's pulled up on the side of the road, just about where it was hovering, coming down. And that's when the another thing that sort of, you know, you remember when you see something like this, you're in such shock, but there's certain pivotal points that you remember about that moment one of them was looking over as it's coming down and seeing all this bush and dirt and that flying up around it um as it's coming down coming down i mean it was a fair way off the ground but as it's moving down there's all this stuff flying out around the whole thing that's one and the lighting underneath it like as it was coming down i'm sort of watching it but screaming at alan don't you dare you know you drop dropped me off and Kevin was insistent, like, come on, man, drop her off, don't do this. And so he just hit the accelerator, and I, I'm telling you now, he would have been doing about 140 to 160, taking me back into town, which was only a, the edge of the town was only probably another three or four kilometres. So he's come in, sp- dropped, literally threw me out the door and then took off back towards it. <laughs> um they actually thought when they got back there it wouldn't be there, but it was still there.
2: Yeah, I'm actually surprised oh. the object was still there too. Um So they're, they're lucky. So they're think, extremely lucky.
1: You think again, like that's still close to the base. How could they not have known?
2: Yeah, well, what about the town? The town's only a couple of kilometres away too, so anyone in town well, would have seen it maybe? a
1: lot, well, not. It was early hours of the, like of the morning. It was You're talking about a little tiny sleepy town. You know, here, you go out here at night. I take the bin out at 8 o'clock at night and there's not a soul to be seen. You know, yeah. so back then, um, like the town's expanded a lot since then. But back then, it was more bushland, way more bush than there is now. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether, I didn't see another car on the road, but you don't. You just don't. If you drive around Exmouth at night, there's nobody out there. Um, it's a working town. People get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they eat their dinner and they go to bed. There's not a lot of TV, there's not a lot of anything here. So, I don't know. Um, I certainly know a lot of people. As I've spoken out my story, it was amazing how many people have contacted me and said, hey, you know, we got buzz." Uh, a couple one followed them for so far that they were taking a truck from Exmouth down to Perth um, back in the 60s. And so they were taking this truck from you know, Exmouth to Perth and they got just out of Exmouth, out by, about where the area C is. And when I told you that's about 60 kilometres out, yeah, and they, this thing just appeared, they could see it over the aerials with a beam down. And her husband is somebody that, um, you just didn't mess with her. Husband was most straight shooting man ever. Sadly passed away not that long ago. But she, um, this thing shot from its beam over there to following them, and their truck just kept cutting out, cutting out, cutting out. And he would get it started again, and it kept cutting out. She got down on the um, floor well and tucked in under the floor well while this thing was following them, and. She said that it just went went over three, back in those days, 300 miles it followed them for. Wow. And she said that he had to stop. They put, took a, a fuel with them, and yeah. he had to stop because they're running out of fuel. So he, he said to her, look, get up out of that well and watch it. Watch that damn thing. And while he's trying to suck, suck fuel, he swallowed a whole heap of it. Oh. And so she said, vomiting and trying to put fuel in the vehicle, but she said after a while it zoomed ahead of them and stopped and it opened up and she reckoned it let out a whole heap of smaller craft out of it then they all took off and disappeared uh, um, so it, me telling my story has brought a whole heap of people I guess to me and said hey listen you're not the only one this is what happened to us and, um, and some of them have been a real big surprise for me. Some of them have been people that, yeah, just blew my mind. People that I've known most of my life because it's such a small town. You know, you're talking eighteen hundred people. You know, you know when when you live in a little tiny town like that, you know, just about you know, everybody and everybody knows your business. Yeah. Um, but I was really shocked at how many people had come forward, even people that left here years ago, even Americans. I, I. My family knew that I didn't have come forward and said, hey, listen, you know, this happened to us. Or we were at the beach one night and we had some guys fishing. And this craft come from nowhere and just went into the ocean right alongside of them. And they both just sat there with their rods going, holy crap. And about half an hour later, it popped back out of the ocean and went shooting up in the sky and disappeared. Um, just, yeah, it's many different stories. Um, two guys camping, this thing landed. Um, one guy said he'll never ever talk about what they saw and the other guy doesn't want to talk about it at all, you know. Um, uh, so it's brought a whole heap of people that I can say, you know, hey, you know, that that wanted me to know. It's also brought some negativity. I had very old friends of mine, two lots of them, who contacted me and said, you were absolutely crazy. What did you do that for? You were absolutely stupid and, and Stepping forward. You should have just kept that a secret. So which one of them I I have known for a very long time and I was quite pissed off with her. Her husband was military here for, no, no, 25 years. And um, she's like, we were really disgusted that you would have done that. Do you realise the trouble this can cause? And um, I just said to her, look, you know, I don't give a shit what you think. Um, it's your opinion, but it's this is about me and what I saw. It's not about anybody else. You know, I, I don't care whether you and your husband don't like it. And she hasn't spoken to me since.
2: You know, yeah, no, that's but, fair enough
1: too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's her opinion. That's fine. You yeah. know, I feel like I'm sort of shocked because I think surely I've said something to her over the years because we've known each other for that. We, me and her, were both. Um, single mums and we we live next door to each other um, and we both married like I married an american from the base and so did she um but yeah i i'm sort of surprised at people's reactions some people that i had no idea have ever seen anything have come and you know messaged me and said hey listen you know we saw something up there as well other people have reacted really badly but I'm not doesn't change my story yeah and will it ever
2: no that's that's good um honestly um you telling your story will hopefully encourage a lot of other people there to come forward with their sort of stuff um there's a lot of amazing experiences out there and uh you know a lot of things are getting left out too like you know absolutely incredible experiences that we'll never know unfortunately um basically just because people want to deny everything and like how can you deny that now when you literally have the American government saying, hey, these things exist. We don't know what they are, but, you know, they are around. They exist.
1: Well, that's what I mean. You can't... Yeah. The other day I was looking at a uh, friend sent me something about the universe and, you know, how many planets and, you know, where it ends. And it blew my mind to think that we would be so naive and so stupid as to think we are the only planet that's inhabited, yeah. you know. Come on. You'd have to be an absolute idiot to think that
2: yeah well if there's okay. a like the sky and you are seeing hundreds of stars out there and yet yeah. it still keeps going beyond that so there's yeah. way more and
1: beyond anything wow. that we can even see yeah you know so you have to you know like I said with that thing that how it moved it would take seconds for that to get up there minutes Yeah. you know it, it moves beyond anything we've got but yeah when I think about it it gets a bit scary and I go oh crap um same time, you know, it is what it is, and they're out there, one hundred percent. Yeah, oh one hundred It wasn't the first time I've seen something, but it was the first time that I've seen something that close, and the military got involved. Living on an outback station, you see things quite often in the sky. Where you know, you go, mm, what's that? And you, I'd say to my dad, what's that? You know, and he'd go, I don't know. You know, we'd sort of all watch things that you know. I remember when I was a kid, a light moving in a triangular, triangle, 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 gone. But it was miles up in the sky, but it was just moving rapidly in a triangular. And then it was just gone, you know, but nothing close like what happened here. Um, Yeah. But yeah, as a kid, when you're living in the outback, outback, there's certainly when they say to people, you should look up, but we did all the time. Mainly we used to go out and spot um, satellites, you know? Yeah. And we just watched all the satellites that were up there, and the sky was just amazing.
2: Oh, look! Even they're fun to go and watch go across. Like you just sit there, just go, "Oh, look, there it goes, it's cruising over," and yep, there it goes, disappear. Yeah. Or you get those really good ones that like get that perfect amount of angle, and they just light up so bright, and you just like, "Wow, yeah. that's cool." That's, and you know, yeah,
1: I do that with x mouth has got that. Quite often I'll go out to my car late at night or something to fix it. And I just stop and the Milky Way is just amazing. And then, and you just you just stop and it sort of takes your breath away that, you know, you're looking at how many stars and planets. and You would be crazy to think that you know, these people who are sceptics, oh, I don't believe there's anything out there, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you, you, you think that you're that special, that we are the only inhabited planet in all millions of planets we're the only one that's inhabited
2: honestly they should be the nutters or the kookas you know the kooky ones that
1: (laughs) (laughs) that. they're more more... they should be the ones that the trolls go after like oh sure you're not that stupid because you
0: know yeah what's
1: out there is out there
2: yeah turn it back on them um so if anyone else has got any questions there before we end the show there get them in the uh, comments there um before we end the show there um i do have another couple questions there for you so um Obviously, uh, one of my main questions that i ask here is, what do you think these things are? What do you think are polling these crafts that we see occasionally? Like, do you think are they are human or some sort of alien explorers? Um, what are your opinions on that? Um,
1: like I said just a minute ago, would have to be crazy to think we're the only inhabitants on these planets, the millions of planets that are out there. Um, I would fathom to say that, you know, we aren't the only humanoids or humanoid type or um, um, beings that are out there. So it would have to be and with that technology, something far beyond even us. But there would have, I can't say I've ever sighted um, any other being that I could say yeah, that, you know, I don't know how I'd react. I think I'd actually just probably hyperventilate and die. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) Yeah, I would 100% say there is beings. They're probably, I mean, if we had the capabilities, we'd probably go and look at them as well. You know, um, maybe they're interested in looking at, no, look at that really old technology that then people have. You know, uh, I don't know why they'd be so interested, but over the years, I've seen things about the pyramids having um, pictures of UFOs. I certainly know I worked in, when I worked for Corrective Services, I was running the whole Pilbara region and I used to go to remote Aboriginal communities and often ask the elders out there about UFOs. And it was just a known thing with all them elders. It was a normal thing that they saw them on a regular basis. And one guy took me to a cave where the paintings have been known to be 10,000 years old. It had a UFO very similar to what's behind you, um, etched into the inside of the cave.
2: Wow!
1: Now he told me that there was about three of them in caves that date back thousands of years. So whatever it is, has been around for a long time, and yeah. we're not we're going, we're going back many many years. So the technology obviously has been around thousands of years for these beings or humanoids or whatever they are that is out there but i like to think that they're out there but i'd rather they just stayed out there you know, you yeah. know what i mean i don't want to I'm personally myself
2: <laughs> honestly i've watched, I'll, I'll wait the day they do drop down and say day.
1: oh are you kidding no way i've watched fire in the sky i don't know if you've ever watched that
2: no that I haven't,
1: just no. oh my god that's well worth watching um based on a true story um that was terrifying. Yeah, that's and, where um, Old
2: Mate got abducted by the, uh, they, they did the logging. I know the story, yeah. um, I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, they no, did no, the logging in the that? craft there, and yeah. up in missing for about seven, ten days. Or the movie
1: like. while was watching, somebody gave it to me to watch, and it rattled me to my core of my being, like, oh, I don't think I want to see anything. So I've watched a few of those sort of movies that people have told me to, but i try to stay away because it just, terrifies me it really does even though i can't say you know this thing hurt me in any way or hurt us in any way um i don't think it had the intention of hurting us. i don't know what its intentions were you know um maybe to scare us maybe to i don't know i don't know if this wasn't the military what was its intentions and why did it do what it did yeah two nights ago like why would you why would it? Was it new to this earth? Was that something new to it? I don't know. Did it stay hidden for the night and come back out the next night? I don't don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of questions. We're not alone, 100%. And we're not alone in beings either, as human beings or humanoids or definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's spot on, I reckon. Um, (coughs) There's just too much history there, too much cover-ups from the government and just, just... think that we are the only ones here there's something definitely going on in the background and um, that's why I hope today that they do drop down and say good day to us and just open up the whole and say those,
1: those those jerks over there in those black suits knew about us for years that's yeah. what you want to hear Yeah. I want. I don't doubt that those guys that showed up for us 100% knew whatever this thing wants I, I don't doubt it whether yeah. it was theirs or with else at all so their, their mission was to shut us up that was what their mission was
2: either shut you up or know how much or see how much you know
1: yeah yeah so. I agree
2: so um, yeah. so another question here which was something I was going to ask you before um, so do you have any pictures or any of uh, the craft that you saw like have you drawn anything there to
1: uh, I did draw them but Ro took them um, that
2: bugger, so... you stole them <laughs> yeah
1: I've never thought of drawing. I will. I will definitely. I'll send you something on it. Um, yeah. He gave me a sketch pad and a pen. And I sat there sketching it. You know, from different angles and views, and then. But he, I thought he'd give them back to me, but he didn't. He took
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably did show on the show. I can't remember though. Um, he might have. Yeah. Them up there. Did. I couldn't watch the show. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't want to watch it. <laughs> That's fair enough. No. Um, look, well, if anyone's um, got any more questions, um, you might have a quick chance near to go and throw them in there. Um, but otherwise we'll come to an end there. It's um, been absolutely fantastic having you on there, Annie thank or you. Annette, <laughs> whichever you want to come by. Um, it's been absolutely amazing there. And thank you so much for coming forward and telling your experience again. Um, I know it's probably nerve wracking and, you know, um, like you've um, someone's asked before with your s- securities and stuff like that. Like it's, Still nerve wracking, you know. I don't think I can appreciate it enough what you're doing and coming forward and explaining everything to you. Like, um, yeah, I nearly
1: pulled up. I'm going, uh, having chest pains. I'm going to tell him I'm having chest pains.
2: <laughs> I got COVID, I can't do it. <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry, uh, too late. <laughs> then I went, I mean, I got a call from the project, the project, the project, whatever that show is. Yeah, they wanted me to, like, nope, nah, nope. Um, I guess, in a way, I, I, I'm i scared of destroying my own career, um, you know, then my credentials not being um, recognised or people not hiring me, hey, oh, aren't you that kook that was on the project? Or aren't you? Because you're going to get people that are going to say that. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, like I said, I haven't had anybody really attack me and say, oh, you're crazy, but anybody who knows me um, knows what a straight shooter I am yeah. and... Uh, and like I said, I, I wouldn't care about taking any lie detector tests. I wouldn't care about being – I would happily be hypnotised back to that, that time. Um, but I was just worried about – I mean, I, I Peter Elliott, now he doesn't necessarily take things seriously. And so I imagine there would be a serious side to it, but then someone would be taking the piss of it as well, which is something yeah. I didn't want. You know, I didn't want to look like an idiot um, and destroy my own credentials, you know. Although I'm going back to study again uh, this year, um, I want to still have a career, you know. I
2: don't yeah, want to
1: destroy
2: it. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's something I was going to sort was- of say with the um, the project too. Like, they got two sides to their, whatever they cover. They yeah. usually try and throw a bit of a humour to it, which is, yeah. like, humour is not a bad thing. I understand that. But when you've got something that can be quite serious... Um, such as this, like which can ruin people, that's I mean, look, it needs to
1: be taken care of a few times here, and that's fine. But when someone starts saying, Oh, well, you see, you know, little pig men out your window, and they start taking the piss and making you look like an idiot, and there's nothing all you can do is stick to the story that you is yours, you know. I'm, I'm not going to change that, but when someone starts taking the piss to such a level that it's making you look like an idiot. Um, that can be not just soul-destroying for me. I would defend it and I don't care. I'm not I told you. I'm not the sort of person that goes, oh, I'm going home and do hoo I'm going to cry about this. That's not me at all. Yeah. But it can have implications that can damage you, you yeah. know, when people want to make you look like a kook. And like you said with the project, there's the two sides there that I wasn't willing to take that chance. So when Keith Basterfield contacted me and said, they're looking for you, I was like, not, not interested. You know, I'd yeah. rather stick to like, like you. And you know what? I'll be honest. You and, and Roscoe are the only ones I've spoken to, I think I did one, uh, one guy used to live in Exmouth and he saw a UFO and um, me and him got talking about it. And I did a podcast. I think he only did one or two podcasts and then he never did anymore. And, um, but that was, Going back probably 15 20 years ago, um, or yeah, it was a long time ago. One well, might not even been a podcast, I don't know what it was, but anyway, um, apart from that, I've not really talked to anybody about it, and I probably won't anymore either. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be knuckling down to study this year.
2: No, no that's wrong. that's fair enough. So you'll be all too busy in the books there and we won't have time to look up anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. yeah. Look, uh, um, really- yeah best
1: of luck, I really do and, and hopefully eventually there will be an answer before you know, I leave this earth
2: Yeah, well, hopefully I'll get an answer before I leave it, but anyway that's me <laughs> but um, if there's anything else you want to say before we end the show
1: No, um, thank you so much for having me on yeah. and for listening with open ears and uh, not judgmental
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, it's, it's fantastic having you on and no judgments at all it, um, take this very seriously and Look, these things are definitely out there. And look again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for uh, being courageous enough to explain your story again and risk your career, as you say. And um, um, look, all the best for the future. And yeah, thank you again so, so much for coming on.
0: Thank you. And good luck. You too. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?